Welcome to the Talking Llama Podcast, the podcast for podcasters. Thanks for stopping by as we discuss all things podcasting, like gear and creative processes, even marketing and promoting your brand. If you're looking to grow, monetize, or even just start your podcast, you're in the right place. The Talking Llama Podcast is here to help you tell your story to the world with confidence. Here's your host, Ian Roth. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Talking Llama podcast. My guest this week is Joel Nest, who's the founder and host of the Ruck Up podcast. How are you doing, Joel? I'm doing very good. Thank you very much for having me on. Excited to talk to you. Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Joel. And for those, for the listeners out there, can you just give them a, a brief summary of what the Ruck Up podcast is and what you are about? Absolutely. So um, a little bit of history about myself to give you a little bit of idea of what rock up and where it came from. Um, I was a security contractor overseas for 10 years. I went to Afghanistan. I spent time in Africa and then other parts of the Middle East working for Department of State and all those good ones for the US of A. Uh, even being a Canadian, that was kind of my job. Uh, I worked on US embassies and such. And uh, so came back to Canada uh, stayed home, had a kid. <laughs> so I kind of changed my life goals, but, uh, to kind of fast forward up, I am now a director of a security company here in Canada. We're a very large security company and, uh, we're handling this crisis probably just like everybody else. Uh, but, uh, our calls to action have been severely, uh, upgraded. But, uh, what happened was, um, just doing the work that I do a lot of times I'm, I'm kind of stopped in my own thoughts because of my clearance levels because of the work that I do. I don't talk about it a lot. And I was becoming a hermit in my own head. So I decided to create a podcast uh, directed to security professionals. But then because of my wide kind of network of friends that are in the military that are US, Canadian, I mean, it's it's global. Um, I just reached out to everybody and started talking to everybody um, from law enforcement, outdoor enthusiasts, people that are just kind of on that kind of spectrum of humanity, I guess you could call it, that special breed of people. And uh, just started the podcast and I'm almost, I'll be a year in in about, I think a couple of weeks here. I have about 200 episodes uh, under the belt and uh, yeah, it's just been going great. I, I enjoy it a lot and I enjoy just talking about security, but I also uh, enjoy talking about outdoors and hunting and fishing and and just about everything between the gamma there, uh, law enforcement, military mindsets, I guess. Over 200 episodes in a year. That is a lot, man. Yeah, I started pumping them out pretty quick. Uh, I was doing two a week and then now I'm doing like five to six a week. Holy crap. How Man, how are you doing that? Are you doing, are you batch recording or are you doing like one a day? So, uh, yeah, so I got three different kind of variations of my podcast. I have the interviews, which I do twice a week now. I was doing once a week, but I honestly, and I'm not trying to brag or anything. I'm just st stating facts, but I had too many guests that I was recording and I didn't, I felt it was wrong to tell them, oh, okay, well, I'll just record you a month down the road or I'll, I'll release this a month down the road or, or two months down the road. 
I felt bad doing that. So I limited my time frame, which means that I have to be more on top of things, but it leaves my guests with a shorter time variation to have their show released. So I do that. And then I have um, like a 10 minute um, a podcast about a certain topic. So it would be like uh, preparation for, um, say you're doing something outdoors or, or um, about mindset or about goals or about leadership. And that 10 minute podcast would be about that. And then I have three smaller podcasts that are either Q and A's or opinion pieces based on feedback I get. I really like that because that's a hell of an idea. So you have different, I guess, goals for each one of the different episodes you release during the week. Right. Well, it kind of goes down to the, to the mindset of your listener. Right. And I don't think it's fair to like, and I talked about, about this with other podcasters, like everybody asks, well, what should I do as a podcaster? Should I have long episodes? Should I have short episodes? Should I have an intro? Should I not have an intro? And to me, it's, completely up to the podcaster and the podcaster will generate their listeners based off of that. And the listeners will like the podcaster for the podcast. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not about, it's, it's strictly up to the individual and how they want to create their product. And our podcast is our product. So at the end of the day, we can do whatever we want with it. I can have a thousand podcasts a month, but I also don't want to diminish on the quality but I also want to make sure that my audience is getting what they want. So that's where, that's where my mindset is. I, I love it, man. What have you been able to either through metrics or just kind of doing some research, have you been able to, to figure out what your demographic or the kind of profile of, of what your listener is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my demographic is usually between, um, well, it's, it's fairly large, but it's usually between 28 to 42. I think it's something around that area, 46. Um, so it's a mid range, but I do have a lot of younger listeners, especially when it comes to the leadership and, and, um, and the, the job set goals. Um, but the re the problem is, is when you have a variety of shows and a variety of guests, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what the listeners want to, because I have a pretty consistent download rate. I mean, I have a, I get higher downloads, but you could tell that people are all listening to the same episode when they download. If that makes sense? Like, um, like the interview, if I have a new interview, it's pretty consistent of what I think the listenership is going to be. Uh, my demographic, I do have listeners all over the world. I'm in 72 countries. So there's a lot of people that do listen. Now, obviously, when you think of 72 countries, you're like, holy smokes. But no, it's like some of those countries have maybe one listener in them or a few listeners. But most of my listeners come from Australia, United States, UK, and Canada. So English-speaking countries. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that, that's great. 72 countries. I don't even know how many countries there are in the world. That just shows how <laughs> much of a moron I am at geography, I guess. <laughs> there can't be much more than 72. I mean, I'm like... There's 120-something, I believe. 120, okay. 130. Yeah. So you've got probably two-thirds of all the countries available. Yeah, I'm, I'm, shooting, I'm shooting this year to try to nab the rest of them. And it's all marketing, right? It's not really like... The funny thing is, is people think that it's, it's better than it, than it is. I mean, it, there's, there's ways of getting your podcast out to listeners by simple things like say, if you're on Instagram, certain hashtags will hit different 
countries differently, right? And sometimes even going into Google Translate and translating one of the most popular hashtags and maybe putting it into Korean and then then um, promoting that um, specific uh, image or whatever you're you're using for that that day or that that um that piece of material, you just promote it in South Korea or you pick another another place. Like it's just all it's all about. <laughs> the thing is with this, I think of it as a business because I do help run a very large organization. So I kind of piggyback models that I've seen work for other industries into this, into the podcasting. So advertising is obviously one of those. Definitely. Just out of curiosity, what are some of the English Instagram hashtags that you've had success with? So this is the problem is because um, when you're doing hashtags, you First of all, and I'm, I'm going to kind of promote my book here for a quick second, but when I wrote my book about podcasting, I wanted to make sure that people realize that there are certain types of um, podcasting, some certain types of hashtags when working with um, Instagram, for example, that one day could be active and the next day it's shadow banned. And if you have a hashtag that is shadow banned, you're going to end up lowering your reach just because Instagram does not want that specific hashtag used. So for example, if I said uh, a hot one is firearms, okay? So if you say guns or if you say uh, firearms or um, there are certain models of guns that'll be shadow banned if they're in the news more regularly for like, you know, um, different types of events that happen like uh, uh, active shooters or something like that, right? So those specific um, hashtags would end up being shadow banned. But the thing is what happens today may not happen tomorrow in the relation of hashtags. And then I tell people, you know, make sure you have the all 30 hashtags in your, um, in your Instagram story or your, your Instagram post. And depending on the nature of the post, you want to make it relevant to the hashtag and so on and so forth. So trying to really understand how the, um, algorithms work is very important and people say that they're they're extremely complex and you know there's so much to the algorithms there really isn't it's very very straightforward the algorithms for for social media they're not as smart as people think they are um they're actually quite dumb you just have to make sure that you're putting them in the right area like um my social media grew from a hundred couple hundred people to thirteen thousand within a couple weeks just by using proper algorithms. So, or should I say hashtags? That's impressive going from a couple hundred to over 10,000 in a couple of weeks. Wow. What? So you're using, would you say the hashtags you're using are, are controversial or you're not using no, the controversial I'll, ones? I'll never, for fear I'll of being never, shadow banned. had a hundred percent, hundred percent. And, and there's a lot of people out there that would, that would disagree with that because they want to get their message out. And I totally get that. And I totally do. And some of my stuff is very graphic, very graphic. Cause I do put, I do, well, not, not really graphic right now because of the coronavirus. I'm trying to keep things a little bit, you know, a little bit, uh, Disneyland. Cause I don't want it really every, I don't want to really freak everybody out, but at the same time, I do want to show the truth of what's out there. But when you do show graphic things, the chances of your video or your post being taken down are quite high, but that's because they're making the wording in the post to match what they are showing in the in the image like 
um, just graphically say somebody's head gets shot or you get shot in the head or something like that. Somebody will put shot in the head and the algorithms obviously going to pick that up and it's going to relate it back to the video and it's going to scan the video for any type of gore. And then it's going to react to that by nature or by, by the algorithm settings. So best bet is to post a video and then post something else. And then your subject line be something not completely different, but just don't use those type of terms. That's what I'm trying to get at, especially with hashtags. You don't want to do hashtag shot in head, right? You just want to do hashtag be careful or hashtag um, uh, safety first or something like that. Like just stay away from trying to make things as obvious as possible because your viewer is still going to view the subject matter anyway. They're just going to relate the, the text to basically whatever whatever else there is. They're not really going to use that as their, their go-to. They're not going to your post to read the text. They're going to it for the video or the photo. Those are good points. And I need to, I think, care, more carefully examine how I'm using hashtags so I can get, shoot, if I had half of those Instagram followers, I would be ecstatic about it. So appreciate the advice. I'm sure our listeners will also. So kind of going more back to the techie side of podcasting who is the host that you're currently using for your show uh i currently use uh podbean yeah podbean have you been using them for the entire year that you've been doing this i have yeah they've been fantastic i've uh when it comes to stuff like this i'm not an easy guy to work with <laughs> so so when things go haywire um i can be pretty uh pretty cranky pretty quick um just by nature of what I, what I do for a living. Um, things should always work in my opinion, but I do understand when things go wrong. Um, but one thing I do not put up with is, um, is bad customer service. Like I, I will, I've switched hundreds of companies just based on customer service alone. But what I've noticed from Podbean is when I ask a question or if there's something wrong, they're on it right away, like right away. It's very impressive. And I've said that to them many times that I'm very impressed with their customer service because they've always worked out any small issues. I've never really had big issues. Um, and it's it's been very consistent. That's great. I haven't had any experience with Podbean, but I think I know one or two other podcasters who use them and have said very similar things to what you just said, Joel. So, I mean, that's great. Customer service goes a hell of a long way. It, it does, especially nowadays, because we're not really... I mean, we're used to it, but it's a dying breed and it's something that we try, I guess we take for granted. Um, when I, I, I'm not a big fan of calling places. Like I'm really big fan of the, the, the website chat features where if I need somebody, I can just click a button and it directs me to whoever I need to talk to. Um, and Podbean may not be that sophisticated. Like they don't have that feature, but when I go to email them with a ticket, it's literally responded within, I'd say within a few hours. Uh, and then that's even being like lengthy. So th they definitely get kudos from me. That's great. For you guys out there listening who are thinking of starting a podcast, I encourage you to check out Podbean as I think Joel has given some very, very good points. And customer service, when you're a podcaster, you don't realize how badly you need it and it matters until you absolutely need it. So, yeah, I think a lot of people don't really understand um, when they're listening to a podcast. I think it's and I'm sure you've talked about this many times, but it's 
it's it's weird because when I used to listen to podcasts, and this is coming when I was really young, I was in a I was in a band and we did a lot of recording, and I've I've I know what it's like to record an album. I I really do. But when you're recording a podcast, it's very different because you got this one audio stream. You have people that are just solely using one medium to to absorb your 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 message, right? And that sound has to be well, it should be relatively perfect. Like as perfect as you as the podcaster want it to be. If you want to record with your phone and that's your the way your message wants to be or you want your message to be heard, then fine, that's perfect. That's that's exactly what you're an artist in your own form, right? But it's weird because there is so much that goes behind the screens or behind the listening ears of building a podcast. Like there's softwares that you're using, there's uh market uh, media marketing tools that you're using. There's like, like I was talking about the hashtags. Well, I have a website that I strictly go to and that I pay for, um, to find hashtags for that specific day that I'm going to use and so on and so forth. Like it is extremely time consuming. And I don't think people understand that one episode for some people now for me, uh, a little bit different because when I record my show, it's pretty much 90, 99% raw, whatever I'm, interviewing or whatever I'm saying on, on my mic goes into my, uh, uh, audio software. And then from there, I maybe trim a little couple things, maybe takes me two, five minutes. And because I already have a template set up, I just push it out after that. It's all done. Um, so that might be a little bit different, but there's podcasters I've talked to where they say, you know, every, um, for every minute of recording, it's two minutes of editing. And to me that I, I don't, I don't think I'd still be in podcasting if I was that um, that finicky on my podcast. I think that that would take away from the time. And you were talking earlier, and you said that well, uh, that's that's a, that's good that I can push out that many episodes. But I've kind of streamlined my entire process of doing this. Like I have templates already set up in my programs that I'm really just kind of pushing record and talking for X amount of time, and then when I'm done it's in the ether. I don't, I don't care about it. I don't, I don't agree back. I don't listen to it again. If there was something wrong with what I said, well, too bad. It's, that's how my show is. It's raw. It's like that. So, um, there's a lot, there is editing. Like I do fiddle around with the, um, with, uh, some of the, um, different, um, audio files and uh, not just audio files, but the way that certain things may sound, but I'm not going in deleting anything or, or changing anything up that's all natural and it is what it is. So I just want people out there to realize that it is a long lengthy process and to make sure that you have time for it. Definitely. It is time consuming. And I do appreciate something you said about your audio needs to be perfect or damn near perfect. And I, I yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I'm a music fan, uh, fanatic. Also, like you said, you were in some bands and I will turn off a podcast if it has shitty audio. It just drives me nuts. And I, I just turn it off and I'll, that, that could have been a podcast that would change my life and, you know, reveal to me the fountain of youth or something. And if it has crappy audio, it, I'm done. Never listening to it again, unfollowing the podcast. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. For kind of sticking with the audio snob theme here, what kind of microphone are you using or, or have you used a couple different ones? So I got, um, which one is this? This is the, uh, the, the audio, uh, Technica. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's actually, it's funny because when, 
when I uh, first got into it, I did what everybody else does. You know, you, you go on Facebook or, or you actually not even Facebook. You I went on YouTube and I kind of just like, listen, there's like five major guys that kind of do the podcasting rundown of equipment on there. Pat um, Flynn. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Yeah. And um, everybody uh, shouted out that mic. So I kind of went with that. Um, I'm a headphone junkie, so I stick with usually either Panasonic or something else because I like, I like the quality and I do, um, I, it, it's, it's weird because if you don't, can't hear yourself properly through the mixing, uh, it comes out crap. Right. And it's the same with the mic. Like, um, so when I was younger, um, an audio engineering said, if you got, if you have shitty sound going in, you're gonna have shitty sound going out. Right. So my aspect is, is, you know, you try to purchase not the best equipment because you never know whether or not the next day you're going to hate doing this because trust me, when you start getting other feedback and, or you start hearing your own voice, sometimes it deters a lot of people and they stop, which I don't recommend. I recommend the worse the feedback, the better you're doing. But, um, like I recommend just getting the even amount of stuff that you need to start yourself off. And that's going back to, you know, the cell phone in your hand and recording yourself to get your message out is a good way to start. Um, but as for audio equipment, um, I have the mic, I have a spit screen, I have the, the boom arm. Um, and then I have, uh, uh, focus, focus, right. Um, the, um, uh, I think this is the Scarlet. Yeah. The Scarlet, um, uh, box here for my microphones and it's just got a couple knobs on there. So I'm not really the, the technical aspect of it. Um, for me is really kind of in what the computers can do. So really I would say my computer is probably what drives 99% of the sound because I've upgraded, like I built the computer from scratch and I spent good grand into it. Um, and again, built it from myself, which probably retail, if you were to buy it would be, I don't know, maybe 1500, 2000, I don't know, but I did. And I do invest in a lot of different softwares like uh, Adobe, all the Adobe stuff. So Adobe Premiere, Adobe um, Audition and stuff like that. And I have all the pop plugins to make things sound a little bit better as well. So um, there's a lot of back end stuff that I've purchased to help myself sound good for <laughs> a better choice so of words. You're using, you're using Audition as your mixing and editing 100%. software. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. I've, I didn't know Adobe had a an audio platform until I got into podcasting and I've talked to other people and they those who who use it say it's awesome. Funny. Yeah, I was the same way. You know, I I only knew of like Cakewalk and Pro Tools and like right. all the all the other ones and I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." And then I was like looking at it, I'm like, "Oh my god, fuck, I got to spend $500 on this." But then I'm thinking like I am spending $500 on all these Adobe apps, but at the same time I'm using them all daily. So I can see the value in it. Right. And uh, so are you like an Adobe kind of aficionado use all the other stuff you were saying? Um, I like Lightroom. Do you do any photo? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. I use Photoshop. Uh, my wife actually does photography. So she uses Lightroom and stuff like that. So we're used to using Adobe pretty much since the start. But like you, I did not know that they, they had an audio until um, I saw them, saw it on one of those uh, YouTube shows. And then I was like, well, I've already got Adobe for business. 
maybe I should just open up all the little hidden ones that I didn't know I had, I guess was a better way of putting it. Um, but, but just recently I've been looking at other platforms because of the fact that I'm not too happy with having to pay for Adobe monthly. Um, that kind of makes me mad. Um, and it's, it's not that it's a high bill, but it's a consistent bill. Like I'd rather just pay for one software once and then not have to pay for it again. So it, it, it's kind of a thought process that I've had for the last few days. That's totally how I am. And that's why I am kind of anti Adobe just for them moving to the like complete subscription basis, which is smart for them because they have known revenue for every month. But then at the same time on our end, like our cash flow is, you know, that of a being podcaster depl being depleted. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not high in the first place. I use Logic Pro X uh, since I'm a Mac person. Yeah. And I, yeah. I love that a lot. I think it was like 150 bucks. Yeah. Or so. And one time fee. And it, it's awesome. The quality's awesome. It's used maybe it's like the new Pro Tools. I used Pro Tools about eight years ago or so. And it's I like it a lot. Good. Uh, I might I might actually look into that a lot more then because that was one of the ones that was kind of high on my list. There was uh, honestly people were pushing me towards Cakewalk because I used Cakewalk a long, long, long time ago. And the, there's a studio and a pro version. Um, but then you're getting up to the $400 mark, which is fine. I don't mind spending $400 if I don't have to spend $400 ever again. That That's OK, because at the end of the year, I mean, what 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 am I paying for Adobe right now? 50 bucks a month. So. Like that's easily, uh, what is uh, over the course of the year? That's six hundred dollars. So yeah, that's that's a big deal, right? Definitely. No, just some uh, again. Logic Pro X has been great for me, and more, most importantly, there's plenty of YouTube how-to videos for it because it's pretty universal software, and that's where I've learned good 80 percent of how to do what I do with it. So awesome. For so Joel, how are you finding guests to be on your show? Like, what are you, what resources are you using? Social media, anything else? Yeah. You know, I've never had problems with that. That's great. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, great. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying that to like to my own horn or anything, but like the thing is, is when I first started, I had, a, I, I still do. I have a really good network of people that I've worked with overseas and, and I was able to um, network with a lot of people. And the thing is kind of everybody a lot of people knew me because the roles that I did in certain companies, I was pretty high up. I either dealt with like administration or I dealt with financing or I dealt with something along the lines. I still worked in the field with them, but a lot of people would have to communicate to me for certain things. So I met a lot of people, whether I knew their faces or not through them working in other countries. But, um, I did meet a lot of people and because of the way I am, I'm, I'm a very, I am a social person, but I'm also a caring person and I actually do give a shit about people and I do want to talk to them and I do want to hear their stories. And when I started my podcast, it really gave everybody a, a venue to really share their story for finding people. There are other ways if you can't, if you don't have those means, and I'm sure there are people that do, um, there are great resources to find people. Um, I highly recommend some of the, um, promote your webs, promote your podcast type of, uh, Facebook groups. That's a good way to start because everybody that you interview will know somebody else and they'll point you in the direction if your show is relevant to their other guests. Right. So if you're, if you know somebody that's a podcaster and he does like books, I know people try to say, well, I'm trying to stay within my medium 
and trying to stay in my lane where I have a podcast and I want to only be doing hunting stuff. Well, that's all fine and dandy. But if you stick with that, only doing that, you're going to run out of material. Like there's a lot of hunting stuff for sure. I'm not doubting that. I know that for a fact. But if you become, a, if you get into a roadblock and you can't get out of it, now you're stuck in only doing hunting. Lastly, do not be embarrassed about asking somebody to be on your show. I hear that a lot and don't do it because 99% of the time they're going to say yes. If they say no, it's because they're busy. Awesome. Joel Nest, awesome advice. Uh, where can the listeners find out about what you're doing and go for more information, man? Go to ruckupmedia.com. So it's R-U-C-K-U-P media, M-E-D-I-A.com. Um, that's where my website is, uh, but you can check me out on all your social media platforms at Ruck Up Podcast. Um, and the only one that's different is Twitter, which is Ruck Up Media because they suspended my first account. So Joel, it's been an honor or privilege having you on the show. Thank you for everything you've done for the country, working for the State Department overseas and everything. Definitely, definitely appreciate it, having been over to Afghanistan myself. So thank you so much. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to uh, collaborating again, maybe sometime down the future. And thanks again, man. I, I would love to have you on. Thank you very much. And it was a pleasure having you, having been on your show. Hey there, my llama friends. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you want to learn more about Talking Llama Media, please head to my website at talkinglama.com. There, you can apply to join the Llama Herd, which is an inner circle of dedicated and creative podcasters who are extremely active in the industry and always looking to collaborate. If you like this show, please subscribe so that you don't miss episodes as they're released. And if you really want to take your support for Talking Llama Media to the next level, I would be extremely grateful if you'd become a patron. Even something like $1 per month can go a long way and support us in our big plans. Stay confident, stay creative, stay curious, and I'll see you next time.